0: available that you could have invited for this week evidently they weren't available for this week and (laughs) I get to be with you again say a prayer for me as the Lord may bring me to your mind have a plane in the morning from Columbus down to Denver and from Denver to Phoenix I'll be there Thursday night and Friday at home and then Saturday back on the plane down to Wichita and start revival at a town nearby and then uh, back to Phoenix, and then Vicky and I go over to Southern California for services. And that's the way it is. Before my dad died, I call him every week. And we go through a habitual routine on the phone. He'd say, where are you tonight? I said, I'm in Dallas. Or I'm in Chicago, or I'm in L.A., or New York, wherever. Predictably, he had the same response every time. He said, you still can't hold a job anywhere, can you? (laughs) And it looks like my job here is about run out. But I want to thank you for your kindness and your courtesy. Wonderful music to help us worship and turn our attention towards the Lord. And uh, sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and His application of the word to our hearts. And one more time, we've got a chance tonight for continued spiritual progress. Let's pause and ask for his help. Father, we love you and we love these people. We love this church, we love your word. We love this hurting world outside of these walls and we'd like to make ourselves available to you in fresh commitment, updated surrender, walking in new light, implementing fresh obedience that we could be all you want us to be in these remaining days so we position our hearts and our minds before your holy spirit anticipating his voice tailoring scriptures to our personal circumstances and situations and give us the grace and the mercy to respond in total obedience And I claim your promise for all of us. You said we could come boldly before the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. Father, you know better than any of us the kind of needs that we face in our personal lives and this current world condition. Take full advantage, please, of these remaining moments and thank you for the progress in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you may know from uh, my previous visit at this church or at your district camp meetings, I was born in Denver. But from age 2 through 18, we lived in Pueblo, Colorado, about 110 miles south of Denver. During uh, my school days, I attended three public schools in that town. Parkview Elementary, Risley Junior High, and East High School. The school district in that town had a policy. Every six weeks, the teachers were instructed to distribute to each of their students what they called a report card. Do you still do that? Aren't those fun days? I remember it became report card day, and I slid the card out of its manila envelope and opened it. Oh, man. There was a grade on that card that was embarrassingly low. And the worst thing about it, it was accurate. I've become convinced that a teacher or professor actually doesn't give a grade. It's some, simply a visual awareness, indication of the level of students' conscientiousness. Responsibility, application to the task. Well, halfway through the next grading period, I got the bright idea it might be beneficial to talk to the teacher. And in my timid, shy, and introverted way, staring at my shoes, I approached his old blonde oak desk. Remember those? With a green paper desk blotter, he looked up from his desk and he said, Norman, what can I do for you? I said, well, you know, I've been thinking about my grade, and you think there might be a time we could get together and talk about it? He grinned real big. He said, man, that's a good idea. He said, why don't you come in this afternoon about 3.30 after school's dismissed? That'll give me a chance during the noon hour to look at the records see what's going on well the dismissal bell rang and i collected my books and notebook and headed down the hallway and turned to that perpendicular intersection and stepped inside the classroom door i can still remember the hot fluorescent lights glinting off the highly waxed and buff beige and ivory tile floor as i approached his desk he looked up he said oh norman Thanks for coming in. I had a chance during the noontime to check the records. He said, You've turned in all your homework. He said, You don't have any absences. He said, You even got a B on the last test. He said, If you keep doing like you are, I think you'll be in a lot better shape. Next report card. Well, we had a brief visit and I thanked him for his time and excused myself and headed back out of the door. And by the time I was a step in the hallway, he called my name a second time. He said, oh, Norman. I looked back and he grinned real big. He said, thanks for caring enough to come in and check. I wish every student would do that. And my farewell reminder to you, dear friends, is a day's coming when every one of us going to get a report card on how we've lived our lives and the level of conscientiousness and discipline and commitment and dedication and obedience we've demonstrated in our relationship with God I was having devotions recently from Matthew's Gospel in that popular passage in chapter 11 When Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. He said, come to me all you who are weary and labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And in a very rare location in scripture, Jesus disclosed some interior self-image. He said, for I am, King James says, meek and lowly. NIV says, gentle and humble. I paused and mused on that. I said, isn't it curious when Jesus comes to describe what he thinks he's all about, the two terms he uses is gentle and humble. I noticed he didn't say I'm harsh and critical. I noticed he didn't say I'm on your case and in your face. I noticed he didn't say I'm negative and pessimistic. When Jesus came... In a transparent moment, to disclose some interior self-image, he called himself gentle and humble. And the great news I have for you, friends, is one who is gentle and humble is with us tonight by his Holy Spirit. And he's going to whisper to our hearts from the scripture, And we're going to talk about a report card day. And I just want us to all be freshly reminded that the one who is gentle and humble is here to visit with us. And he's not harsh and critical. And he's not negative and pessimistic. Paul is thinking about these issues in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and the 10th verse. He uses building construction as an illustration. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day, that's capital D, will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he's built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. What's Paul talking about here? He uses building construction as an illustration. This building is set on a foundation. I'm not really expert in construction, but I do understand that you've got to dig a ditch. You either set or tie steel. You pour concrete in the ditch. And depending on the construction method, you have several courses of concrete block. Or sometimes they pour a formed stem wall. And then the masons or the framers come in and build a superstructure. That's what Paul is using here as an illustration. He said, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder. He's not bragging. He's just telling the truth. He said, God gave me the responsibility of establishing the work of the Lord Jesus Christ here on earth, especially among the Gentile world. I laid a foundation as an expert builder. Ever since he met the Lord on that Damascus road and received his call in the ministry, he said, I threw myself into this cause for all I'm worth. I hit it hard. I invested myself without compromise altruistically in the great cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. I laid a foundation as an expert builder and someone else is building on it. And then he parenthetically reminds us, verse 11, no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's exactly why we're here tonight. We're not building on Buddha tonight. Did you know that? We're not building on Muhammad tonight. We're not building on Confucius tonight. We're not building on New Age tonight. What are we doing here? We're building on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We serve the Lord Jesus who taught us, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He is not one way among others. He is not some way among several. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And this current day, with the tone and the mood and the flavor of our culture, we dare not be intimidated and hunker down and try and avoid criticism or rejection or disapproval. We're building on the foundation of the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to caution us at verse 12. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hair, straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. Silver, gold, and costly stones, what's that all about? It's exemplary and illustrative of the durable, the quality, the lasting, the substantial, the significant. The effective, the efficient, wood, hand, straw. Exemplary, illustrative of the minimal, the shallow, the lightweight, the mediocre, the nominal, and complacent. The ineffective, the inefficient. It would be to our personal advantage to examine our hearts in the presence of the Holy Spirit and discern whether we are building our life in ministry with silver, gold and costly stones or wood and straw. What's your life look like? When you and the Holy Spirit are alone for private communication, do you ascertain that uh, the Spirit bears witness with your heart that you're investing yourselves completely to your maximum potential in the kingdom of God, and the silver, gold, and costly stones would describe what you're all about. Or would you be better described wood, hay, and straw? It's a pretty important issue. Paul said, "I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it." No one can build on any foundation other than what our religion, which is Jesus Christ. But you and I have the privilege and the responsibility of choosing the building materials with which we're going to build our personal life and ministry. From the moment you were saved and received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you became the recipient of a divine endowment. God packaged us with time and talent and possessions. There are issues that you and I are really good at. And it's not because we independently are so sharp, we become the recipient of a giftedness. And God expects us to discover those gifts, to develop those gifts, and to deploy those gifts productively, effectively, efficiently, substantially in the kingdom of God for His honor and glory and for the blessing of others. How are you handle your time, how are you handle your talents. How are, you, how are you handling your possessions, both solid and liquid assets? What benefit is the kingdom of God on earth deriving out of the investment God has made in you through the shed blood of Lord Jesus Christ? Verse 12, if man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hair, straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day, in my Bible, that's a capital D. Report card day. We'll bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. Frankly, I don't have a clue what that's going to look like. And the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Verse 14, if what he's built survives, he'll receive his reward. Reminds me of Jesus' popular parable in Matthew 25 and verse 14, commonly referred to as the parable of talents. Two servants who were conscientious and productive, utilizing what assets the master entrusted to them, received the same congratulations and promotion. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You know, the most uh, meaningful insight for me personally from that parable is that the master said the same thing to the second fella as he did to the first. You remember that parable, don't you? First servant received five, brought back five more. Gross of ten, net profit of five. Second servant received two, brought back four. Net profit of two. From a human perspective, we're all the time looking at volume productivity. We say a gross of ten is better than a gross of four. A net profit of five is better than a net profit of two. Isn't that the math that we're dealing with here? But Jesus is tossing us a hint in that parable. As far as he's concerned, the issue is not volume productivity. The issue is the percentage of conscientious productivity, the application of what we had and the opportunity we had. I see it nearly every month in my travels. I hear it in verbiage big church, little church, big deal. The issue is not what do you have, the issue is what are you doing? With what you do have. Are you building your life and ministry with silver, gold, and costly stones? Or wood, hay, and straw? I'm thankful for a pastor and a church board and a lay constituency in this church that says, let's call time out from our normal routines and get together for revival, a genuine questing for fresh spiritual growth, new insight from the scripture, coaching from the Holy Spirit. Between now and when we leave, we'll all have an opportunity to examine, how am I doing this part of the semester in anticipation of report card day? If what is built survives, he'll receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. Notice how he ends that sentence. He himself will be saved but only as one escaping through the flames. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He's writing to believers who knew the Lord, who'd heard the gospel, who'd received him as Savior. It would be a biblical error to say that the wood, hay, and straw believer goes to hell, contrary to the end of that sentence. And that would constitute salvation by works. We don't earn salvation by works. Paul said it pretty clearly in Ephesians. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, it's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. We're not saved by works, we're saved by grace. We don't earn salvation by silver, gold, and costly stone application of the assets God's given to us. But we are rewarded according to our works. As evidenced in Jesus' parable of Matthew twenty-five, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant." If report card day arrived today, would you step into his presence with confidence, assurance that you've done the best and made a difference, and had an impact and an influence? Or would there be regrets? Thank God that we have a chance on this side of report card day to make some changes and some corrections. And incidentally, the one who's gentle and humble is among us, he's not harsh and critical. He's not negative and pessimistic. He's not on your case and in your face. He's here to assist us in becoming aware of opportunities for improvement, spiritual growth, and elevating our level of conscientious application of the assets he's entrusted to us. If what he's built survives, he'll receive his reward. If it's burned up, he'll suffer a loss. He himself will be saved. Why? He's a believer. The context here, he's writing to believers. And we don't earn salvation by works. We're saved by grace. But the end of the sentence says, but only is one escaping through the flames. I look that up, the vocabulary, the verb, tense, and sentence structure. Paul is painting a picture for us with his pen. He's describing a man running out of a burning building with his garments on fire, rolling in the dirt, trying to snuff out the flames, barely escaping with his life. i got to ask you, is that the way you want to go to heaven, but only as one escaping through the flames? like a runner sliding into home plate just a half second under the tag? What's Paul saying here? I laid the foundation as an expert builder and the framing crew, the masons are in, building the superstructure on the foundation that I poured. And you can't build on any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. It's to our personal advantage to examine in the presence of the Holy Spirit Am I building my life and ministry with silver, gold, and costly stones? Or wood, hay, and straw? Is who you are and what you're all about, your current level of discipleship, service to the Lord and the church, described by the productive and the effective and the efficient and the holy and the sanctified, and the dedicated, and the committed? Are those synonyms that describe what you're all about? Or is it more accurate and honestly truthful to say it's more like? Wood-hand straw, lightweight and apathetic and mediocre and complacent, shallow, lukewarm. We have a chance on this side of report card day to make some corrections. Out in Southern California, uh, there's a, a chain of tire dealers called Discount Tire. Do you have those back here? I've been buying tires from them for years. Every time I buy a set of tires, I always pay a little bit extra and get what they call certificates. In the older days, it used to be a literal paper certificate that uh, was a warranty. And it gave you free lifetime rotation and balancing. Now it's just posted in the computer. They want you to come in every... um, 5 or 6000 miles for tire rotation. Well, I'm a traveling man, don't you know? Every time I land at the airport, the last thing I'm thinking about is tire rotation. I got a wife and a daughter and a son-in-law and two granddaughters waiting for me. Well, I was home in between a revival, sitting at my desk and I got the idea, I wonder how long it's been since I had the car in for rotation. I pulled out the file drawer and extracted the folder on Auto maintenance and, oh man. It had been over 8,000 miles since I've been in. I told Vicky, I said, tomorrow morning, first thing when they open up down there at discount, I gotta be there, first one in line to get those tires rotated. And sure enough, here came the boy to unlock the door. And I was the first one in, he stepped around the counter, started booting up his computer. I was first in line, he said, can I help you? I said, yeah, I need to get my tires rotated. He said, what's your name? He punched it in. What's your phone number? He punched that in. He said, how many miles on your car? I told him. He froze. So whoa. Mr. Moore, been a while since you've been in. What do you think he said next? How many of you think he said, What in the world's wrong with you? You're the dumbest customer I ever had. Get out of here. I'm gonna sell you more tires. Is that what he said? No. You know what he said? Mr. Moore, we're so glad you're here. Thanks for coming in this morning. Have a seat. Help yourself to a cup of coffee. You're the first one in. We'll get you out in about 20 minutes. I was driving home thinking about that whole experience and the realization hit my head and soaked into my heart. And I remembered if a school teacher who gave me the grade I deserved had sense enough to be courteous and respectful, when that grade was simply an indication of my own negligence and irresponsibility. And if the boy at the tire store had sense enough to be courteous and respectful, when obviously I had been negligent and forgetful about my responsibility. As I drove home, the question hit my heart. How do you think the Lord Jesus Christ himself who calls himself gentle and humble would respond if I came in to check. The Lord's not here to hassle us, He's here to help us. But as human as we are, inevitably there's room for improvement. And if revival is gonna be all that it potentially can be in these special days, we'll need to get honest about the question how am I handling the assets he's entrusted to me in terms of time and talent and possessions? Not that we earn salvation by our works, but we demonstrate our appreciation to God for what he's done through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary. And we demonstrate our sense of responsibility and commitment to participate in the body of Christ and edify the body and help evangelize the unsaved lost. In a moment, we're going to share an invitation song. It's a prayer. Extracted from the Psalms. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me, O Savior, and know my thoughts, I pray. See if there be some wicked way in me. Cleanse me from every sin and set me free. I especially like the verse that says, Oh, Holy Ghost, revival comes from thee. Send a revival. Start the work in me. Thy word declares thou wilt supply our need for blessings now, oh, Lord, I humbly plead. I read one place, the greatest room in the world is a room for improvement. And we're all there. These services have not been about guilt trips. They've been about growth opportunities. I'm thankful for your attendance and your attention to God's word and your sincere, heartfelt responses. But we have one more time to have a quiet, intimate, personal visit with the one who described himself as gentle, and humble. Please stand barriers. Would you take a look in your heart one more time? Would you specifically focus your attention on the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit? And could we all just drop our guard and relax our defenses and discontinue our rationalizations and our procrastinations and take complete advantage of a chance to take some steps forward in our relationship with Him. Scripture's teaching us tonight that we're all going to get a report card. And we're closer to that moment than we've ever been. If you and the Lord need to have a talk, now would be a good time and this altar would be a good place. Not able to kneel, just please be seated on the front row of chairs. You may come while we sing. And with you. Pastor, come pray for us.
1: Can we have some gather in around those who've come to pray? Can we bow our heads just for a moment? I'd just like to do a little bit of exercise here. And it, If God's spoken to you this week, would you care to raise your hand just so I could see that, that he's spoken? Yeah, all over this place. Aren't we thankful for His fresh move? Let's let's pray, our heavenly Father. Right now, we just give you praise and thanks that you don't leave us on our own, that you don't um, you don't hassle us, but you do call us. That you don't leave us where we're at, that you don't just let us go our own way, but Lord, you convict and you draw. And you discipline, not because you don't care, but because you do care. You love us. I ask, Lord, that you help us to consider, not just tonight, but tomorrow, uh, through, through the rest of this week, what we're building with our life. We're, we're, we're planting something. We're building something. We're, what, what we do matters. It, it's leaving something behind. It's, it's, it's working towards a judgment day in which we stand before your throne. And our life will be laid before you. And we'll either have lived for you, being a blessing, serving your kingdom, living for your kingdom, or we'll be of living for ourselves. Lord, I pray that you'll um, continue to work in our lives and speak to us to show us those places that we need to change, to, to show us those circumstances that perhaps we need to give you fuller sway in, that we need to let go of and, and allow you just to have uh, your full will in our life. I pray for this congregation. I pray for this pastor. Lord, what we want your will. And in this age, in this day, sometimes that's hard. We all have different preferences and different things that we like and don't like. And Lord, it's not easy as a group of people to come together sometimes and just work all these things out. And so Lord, I pray that you'll give us just a greater love because it's through love, Lord, that um, you can take a group of people that have different preferences, different desires, different backgrounds, and somehow you can mold them into the body of Jesus Christ. I don't understand it, and I can't do it, but you can. So Lord, we're at the end of another revival, and... Tomorrow will be Thursday. And it will be easy just to fall back into old habits. Lord, can you do something fresh in us so that um, how you've spoke this week will make a difference tomorrow and Friday and Saturday. and, And Lord, when we come into the services Sunday, we'll be further down the road. We'll have grown in relationship with you. Lord, I pray for each who've responded tonight and each who've responded uh, to altars this week that you will uh, continue to work within them, that, Lord, they won't leave the altar without setting in their heart that um, they're going to find people to talk to, to allow the discipleship process to continue through conversations and through, through Sunday school and small groups and and just Bible studies and and just informal times together. And I pray for those that that didn't respond, but you called. I I pray, Lord, that um, as they go home, that you'll give them space to consider you, to consider your kingdom, to consider what they're building in their life. Now, Lord, we love you, we thank you, you're you're good, you're patient, you're kind, you give us mercy when really we don't always deserve it, but Lord, you do. Lord, help us to see your smiling face, your patient countenance, Lord, as you just continue to, to work through and for us. And Lord, as we leave this place, may we have a clear understanding that we may be leaving uh, your presence in this place, but we're not leaving your presence. That you go with us, that you indwell us. And where you are, where you are, blessing can take place. So make us a vessel for you, make us light and salt. Make us the people that you intend us to be. And we're going to give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless. You're dismissed.